Sundays, I get the opportunity to interact with a, a lot of the leaders from this church throughout the week and uh, partner in many ways, and uh, just a privilege to be able to be with you this morning. I wanted to talk uh, this morning a little bit about prayer, um, and you guys might you know, be so far down the road, and God is answering all your prayers, and you're seeing miracles every day, and you may not need this message, but I'm just going to pretend that you aren't there yet. You're like me. Um, you've got some growth, a lot of room to grow in the area of prayer. And I want to start by asking this question. Let's say you've just graduated from, from college. Uh, you've got the degree you've been working on for quite a while. You come to state college, and there's a couple of job openings for the particular position that you're looking for. So you apply for, for a couple of them. And it turns out you're offered two different uh, positions. They both are, are the same job. They have the same benefit package. Uh, they're both great companies to work for. And you're, you're given the opportunity to choose from either one of those, those jobs. Uh, the only difference is that one is offering a $25,000 salary. The other one's offering $50,000 as a salary. Which one are you going to choose? It's not a trick question. Yeah, 50,000, right? I mean, it's just, it, it's, it makes sense. You're not going to choose the 25 when you're offered 50. Or let's say we're going to sheets and there's, it's $1. You can either get the, you know, 16 ounce soda or the 32 ounce soda for, for, uh, for $1. Which one are you going for? 32, right. Okay, kids, we're going trick or treating this week or maybe, I don't know, you're going to your neighbor's uh, house and you're going to be offered a bite sized Snicker bar or the full family size Snicker bar. Which one are you going for? Right? If you're like my kids, uh, I guarantee you're going for the big one. We were uh, on a whale watch with my, my family. I have uh, three teenage daughters, and we've adopted a four-year-old, and we're fostering two, uh, three-year-old, and, and an eight-month-old right now. So we have a lot of kids. We went on this um, whale watch this summer. The first time we'd ever had the opportunity to do that was incredible. We're out an hour out in the ocean, and there was um, on one side of the boat a seal that had poked his head out of the water. Um, and on the other side, there was these 40-ton humpback whales that were breaching. So, again, my question to you is, like, what side of the boat do you think everybody was on? I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. And what I want us to start thinking about this morning is this, that God didn't place you and I here on this earth to notice him in big ways just once or twice in your life. God wants to do big things in our lives. He wants to use us. He wants to work. He wants to display his power. And you were born to walk out your door each morning believing that God's going to use you to deliver a miracle today that big God stuff would happen in your life. So I think God wants to ask you this morning. He wants, he wants to ask you the question, do you believe that there's a limit to his power? And are you proving your answer to that question by the way that you are praying and the things that you're asking for? Does your prayer life reflect your view of God? In James chapter 4, verse 2, uh, just the second half of that verse there, says you don't have because you don't ask God. I think that, that verse is just incredibly powerful. It says you don't have because you don't ask God. The number one reason for unanswered prayer is prayerlessness. It's because we're not praying. It's because we don't ask. Why don't we have? It's because we don't ask. 
And some of you are saying, hey, well, I ask, but I'm not receiving answers to my prayers. And you're thinking, why, why am I not receiving answers to my prayer? In James chapter 4, verse uh, 3, it says this. It says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. If you're taking notes, you might just write down those two words out of that verse. You ask with wrong motives that you spend what you get on your own pleasures. You're asking like a spoiled brat. They there, there isn't too many of us that like spoiled brats, right? I mean, it's like they're just they're frustrating, they're annoying, and so many of our prayer lives are like that. We're going to God, we're saying, "Give me this, I want that." Bless me, Lord, I pray. There's an old there's a guy by the name of Larry Bryant that sang this song when I was in in uh, high school. I just love this song. He's like, "Just bless me, Lord." Give me everything, you know. I want a perfect wife. I want a swimming pool. I, just give me all these things so I can build up my little kingdom. And so many of our prayers, I believe, are like that. And I think what James 4, 3 is trying to tell us here is that, that when we pray, we ask with wrong motives. God wants to give you what is good as long as it is in line with His will, as long as it's loving God and it's loving people. But when we pray with wrong motives, why would he even listen? He wants to give us good gifts. He wants to bless us abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. So the question I just want to ask you again today is, do you believe in a big God? Do you believe that God's power has no limits? Do you believe that he wants to bless you abundantly? And I'm not talking about health and wealth kind of gospel here. I'm talking about, do you really believe that when he says to ask, that he means it? I have a daughter, my my four-year-old daughter, Kaylin, who um, is adopted. And when we go places now, she often will introduce me as, uh, this is my daddy, and my daddy is bigger. And he will, he'll start to go on this list. And because my daddy's bigger, he can do... And she'll give this long list of things that I can do that she can't do. And I started to think about this a little bit in my in our relationship with God. See, I can do what Kaylin can't do. I have a certain advantage over her when it comes to size and power and just greater resources. But when Kaylin asks me, she can come to me and she can, Daddy, will you put me on your shoulder so that I can see better? We did this at the fair watching the truck pull. She gets the best seat in the house. All she had to do was ask, and I put her on my shoulders, and she can see better. She says, Daddy, will you be a horse? And what do you think I do? <laughs> I'm on the, the, the floor in our house. I'm now a horse, and she's leading me to the fair, and she's feeding me hay. And, you know, I, I just do whatever she wants at her request because I love her. She says, Daddy, can I have a glass of milk and I can get that? And, you know, you, the, the requests go on and on. And I love to give Kaylin what it is that she wants if her requests are good and if they're going to bless her and they're going to bless other people. All of my resources are available to my daughter for the asking. And we have five daughters and I really want to bless all of them and I want to bless them big. As long as the requests are good, I love it when they come to me with big requests. It just brings me great joy to do for Kaylin what she cannot do for herself. And to be completely honest, it brings me complete joy to do things for my teenagers that they can't do 
for themselves because I'm bigger, because I have more resources, because the car is ours and they can't get there without us. So when they ask, Daddy, will you take us here? Or, you know, our daughter recently, uh, we have uh, our oldest is in, in college now and our, our, our second just chose her college. They said, Daddy, I want to go to this college. We're like, okay, let's go visit. I love it when my daughters think big and when they come to me and they say, Dad, I have this idea. I have this thing that I want to do to be able to serve other people, to bless people, but it's going to cost a lot. Our oldest daughter is going to college because she wants to move to Zambia. And when she came to me and she said, Daddy, I want to go to Zambia, and she's been there several times already and wants to serve, it's cost a lot of money. But we're saying we want to do everything we can to bless you because your request is good. All of our resources are available to our daughters when they ask. I love being their daddy. I just love it. And I would argue this morning that God loves being your daddy. How do I know? How do you know? Because he said he laid down his life for us. He died on the cross for you and for me. He paid everything for you. He's willing to unleash all of his resources in your direction. We can introduce him as, this is my daddy and he's bigger. In Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Take some initiative here. It's what I'm hearing in this verse. We need to ask. We need to seek. We need to knock. It's something that we need to do. There's a, there's a responsibility that is in our court. If you look through the New Testament, God says 20 times he used that word ask. He says ask. He just keeps saying it over and over. Ask and it'll be given. Matthew 7 verses 8 uh, through 11. He says for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks the door will be opened. He says, which of you, if you, uh, if your son asks for bread, is going to give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, I just can't read the New Testament without realizing that God wants to give. That he wants to do miracles through my life. That he wants to use this aging, broken down guy for his purposes to bring him glory to do big things in his world. Are you getting the picture of what the New Testament says here? Say, God, God wants to do this. He wants us to ask. But here's what I know about Vince Smith. I haven't asked often enough. And I haven't asked big enough. I just haven't. I've had a small view of God at so many points in my life when I know that He was challenging me, prompting me to do bigger things. I saw the mountain, but I didn't see the God that could move it. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be the legacy that I leave. And I hope you don't either. I hope that you want to be the kind of person that God uses and and wants to be used by God and is willing to look at the God who can move the mountains. A.W. Tozer said, A low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils, but a high view of God is the solution to 10,000 temporal problems. If that's true, he says, and I believe it is, then your biggest problem isn't an impending divorce or a failing business or a doctor's diagnosis or struggling to pass your classes 
He says, our biggest problem is our small view of God. Your problems are not bigger than God. God wants to know if there's a limit to his power. The answer is either yes or no. What do we believe? And until you and I come to conviction that God's grace and power know no limits, we're going to pray small prayers. But when we embrace his omnipotence, you'll start to pray big prayers with God-sized dreams, the kind of dreams that he's planted in your heart that didn't get there by accident, but came from him. And he wants you to pursue those. So again, I just want to keep asking the question, is your God, the God who fed 5,000 with five loaves and just a few fish, is your God the one who parted the Red Sea? Is your God the one who made the lame walk, the blind see, the possessed to be set free and brought dead people back from the grave? Is that your God? Are you praying those kind of prayers? Prayer can do whatever God can do. But what should I be asking for? I think this is maybe the larger question for some of us. When we get to our prayer time, we're like, hey, I just, you know, I pray for my day. I pray that everybody's going to be safe and healthier. But what do I pray for? And I think Jesus answers this in one verse in John chapter 15, verse 7. He says here that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's a big word. And again, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write that word down. He says, remain in me and my words are going to remain in you. What happens when I remain in him? You know, when I remain in Christ, I start to think like him. I start to act like him. I start to talk like him. My heart becomes his heart. I see what he sees when I walk the streets. I see what he sees when I interact with my wife and with my children. When I remain in him, it's like being grafted into that tree. I bear his fruit, but it requires a remaining. So when I pray, when I pray big prayers, I'm not praying my prayers They are mine. Why are they mine? Because I've remained in him. So they're actually his prayers. And when I pray what he wants, the Bible is clear that we ask. We're not asking with wrong motives. We're asking with his motives because God wants for him. He wants him to to get the glory and he wants to be able to love other people through us. So if I remain, if I stay connected, I'm going to bear the kind of fruit that God wants to see. John 14 verses 13 and 14 says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Again, why does he do it? He answers it because it brings him glory. If I remain in him, if I'm asking according to his will, if my heart is his heart, he wants to answer that because it's going to bring him glory. It's not going to build my kingdom. He will use me to bless other people and to do big things, but it's for his glory. God always answers the prayers of a person who wants to do more for him. I need to, I need to push on this area of our prayer lives today because I know I've struggled with this and I've watched Christians over the years. This is one of the, the, the biggest challenges when it comes to our prayer life. Have you ever been praying and God nudges you? You've been praying about a specific thing or for, for the help to be able to accomplish a certain thing and God speaks to you through his Holy Spirit. He prompts you. He nudges you. What do you do with that nudge? 
think so many times we ignore the nudge. And by ignoring the nudge, we miss the big things that God wants to do with us. Maybe it's that person that you know you need to forgive. And God's saying, you need to forgive them. You need to do it now. You need to not delay. Do you forgive them? Do you ignore the nudge? Maybe it's you need to go invite that person over for dinner. You felt a prompting for God. Or maybe it's a husband that's saying, where God's prompting you, speaking to you, saying you need to speak kind to your wife. You need to change the tone. You need to change the direction in which you're speaking or to your children. Or it's the wife that's been nagging her husband and God's saying, you know, we need to quit that. When we miss, when we don't pay attention to the nudges from God, we're not remaining in Him. And I think that's where this unanswered prayer business is going to come into place. But if we pay attention to the nudges, it's amazing what God will do. A couple of months ago, I had the opportunity to speak uh, to our congregation about tithing. And um, I know a lot of times pastors don't like to do that, but I love to talk about it. I think it's one of the most incredible promises the Bible makes. It says, it, it says, test me in this. God says, test me. He says, you, you do this, and I promise I'm going to open up the floodgates. So I pre- I'm preaching this message to our congregation. I have this guy from Uganda who's been uh, t- uh, t- uh, doing a PhD program here at Penn State, and he was sitting in the, in the, the congregation, and he doesn't have much at all. He left his family back in Uganda uh, to live at a half-built house and... Um, they, they're just struggling financially. But he sat in the service that day. And I challenged our congregations for just for 90 days to just do what God says, test him in this. And he felt the nudge from the Holy Spirit that day to obey. And he has very, very, very limited resources. But he started to tithe on the limited resources that he had. And a couple of weeks ago, he, he, was, he stood up in front of our congregation and he just shared a testimony of what God did with that. Of how by obeying the prompting, some amazing things happened. He wasn't going to be able to go back to Uganda for two years to visit his family, but some friends came to him and said, we just bought you a plane ticket to go back at Christmas time. He was telling our congregation about how he had needed to buy some clothes for his children. So when he goes back, he wanted to take them. So he was shopping at Goodwill one day. But as he was shopping, he couldn't remember any of this. He had no clue what size his children actually wore. So, so he didn't buy anything that day. But later that night, he was at a gathering. And some lady came up and said, that, you have children, right? And he said, yes, I do. And, and she said, well, hey, I want to take you to buy them a bunch of clothes to take back with you. And he just says, he's saying to our congregation, he's saying, you know what? It was one of these things that I just hadn't obeyed this nudge from God for so long. Like I knew what God said, but I had to ignore it because I needed the money to feed my family. But I think so many times what God wants to do is he's saying, I, I want you to test me. I want you to trust me in this. This is a test of faith. If I'm nudging you while you pray and you're not obeying, you don't really think that I'm the God with the, the kind of power that can move mountains or raise dead people or be resurrected from the dead myself. God is a God that multiplies. He wants to take our obedience and do great things with that. I don't know what your financial situation is today, but I do know this. If you give beyond your ability, if you obey him in the area of tithing, he wants to display his power in your life, but it requires some prompting or reaction to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I just want to say again, God is not offended by big dreams. He's offended by anything less. Your prayers might start out small, 
And God will honor those humble prayers. He will. But as your faith grows, so do your prayers until you dare to pray huge prayers. I remember back to my first year in college as a freshman. I came to Penn State here. I have a degree in animal science. Um, I do not have a you know Bible degree. I'm a farmer. I'm a cowboy. And I was trying to take these classes, biology and chemistry classes, and um, I failed my first four exams at Penn State. And, yeah, celebrating with me. Um, yeah, I failed, and I called my parents. I was ready to drop out. And, like, so my first semester was like that, and my second semester was like that, and I had a 2.36 GPA. And I'm praying, like, God, would you please help me pass my classes? And it just, I was trying to do all this stuff on my own, and I was reading the Bible before my uh, my uh, sophomore year and came across this very clear instruction in scripture to remember the sabbath and to keep it holy and i totally wasn't doing that i mean i was studying all day i'd go to church and then i'd go back to my room and just study all day long so i thought all right i'm going to obey you god it doesn't make any sense to me but i obeyed god on that and that little bit of obedience along with my prayers to improve my performance in school took me from a 2.36 to a 3.75 GPA. And I had so much time. I had so much peace. I had so much joy throughout the rest of the week because I obeyed the whisper from God. I could have prayed for the next three years, but if I disobeyed his principles, it wasn't going to work. And that's where this remain in. I think so many times our prayers are halted because as we remain in, we're not remaining in him. We're praying for him to do big things in our life, but we just don't trust him enough to obey what he says to do. My wife, Beth, um, we've been married for almost 20 years. And um, over the years, um, there's been so many times where, you know, she's just been annoying at, at times, just frustrating. I mean, just hard to get along with. And so my prayer often would be like, God, would you change this woman? She's just, she's driving me crazy. And, but, 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 but what I start to understand is God speaks to me. And as I remain in him, he's not telling me that that's the way my prayer needs to go. It's that Vince, you need to, you need to see how you can meet her needs, not change her. You need to be able to speak gently to her even when she's making doing things that frustrate you. The person that needs to change as you pray for her is you. So my prayers had to go from God change her to God, how can I love her? I'm still praying for the same woman. But when I'm disconnected, I'm praying small prayers. But when I'm connected to God, I'm praying big prayers. And I can tell you... Um, from experience it's done great things for our marriage when I start to pray as if I'm connected to God not disconnected I just want to share a couple of more stories where I just feel like this 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 prayer thing I have the privilege of leading a ministry uh, called Haven of Hope that uh, was begun seven years ago in Zambia where um, our congregation uh, really wasn't doing anything externally but after a visit to Zambia, we met some orphans. There's 143 million orphans in the world at the time. 
And I didn't know one. But we got to Zambia and God started to wreck our hearts for what wrecks his. And, and it came back and we started to tell our congregation about the needs in Zambia. And just to make a long story short, um, 95% of our congregation is now sponsoring uh, at least one or two children from uh, at this ministry called Haven of Hope that we had the privilege of getting started. We now have two schools with 212 children being sponsored with about nine partnering congregations. But why do I tell you this? Because a year ago, um, we knew that God wanted to do more. We didn't know how it was going to happen. Um, there's a lot of orphans that are breaking our heart and breaking God's heart. We started to pray every Tuesday at prayer. About four or five of us um, would get together at lunchtime and and we were looking for 60 new sponsors. We had no idea where 60 new sponsors were going to come from. But as we prayed, God began to do things. And last Orphan Sunday on November uh, 3rd, um, we had one congregation in Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, that ended up sponsoring 92 children. The ministry grew abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. We had no idea what God was up to. All we know is that was his heart and we needed to obey him. And those are the kinds of prayers that God has challenged me to start praying. Not like, you know what, take, take, not just one. I mean, God cares about one. And that might be a big prayer for some of us. I have to be honest, you adding one more kid to our house is a big prayer these days. Um, but God, God answers that. But when he starts to expand our boundaries and say, you know, I'm the kind of God that wants to use you and the people you work with to save hundreds and thousands of orphans physically and spiritually, then I start praying to a God that I know that's what he wants. And I'm going to guess that there's a bunch of you sitting here today that God's planted a dream in your heart and you know that that dream is given to you and it's a vision given to you alone. And because God gave it to you, he didn't give it to anybody else. And if it's going to be accomplished, you have to be the one to take the initiative. And you need to start praying the big prayers, but as you pray them, God's going to nudge. He's going to say, I need you to do something that's to require faith. And as he does, you need to obey. And when you obey, God's going to answer your big prayers. Will you please answer the question this morning? Where am I not praying big and therefore missing the miracles that God wants to do to bring him glory because of my obedience. How big is your God? At Grace Fellowship Church, how big is your God? It's been fun to see what God's doing with bringing new people to Christ and growing your congregation. And I know that pushes the boundaries of your building and a building is on the, the radar and Sometimes it puts us up up against a wall and we have to say, how big is our God? Are we praying big prayers, knowing that God is the mountain mover and he wants to get the glory, but there's some things we're going to have to be praying along the way. Let me make it a little more personal. If you're married, is your marriage struggling at any point? Are you praying for God's blessing on it? And as you pray, are you connected to the vine? Is your heart for your marriage the same as God's heart for your marriage? Men, are you laying down your life or are you just trampling on your wife? Women, are you just a nag or are you submitting to your husband's leadership and doing what God asks us to and watching what he wants to do in our marriage? 
we're all justified and why the other person should be one that changed. But what is it that God's asking you to pray about? How about your finances? Are you in debt up to your eyeballs praying that God's going to help you get out of debt, but you're disobeying all the biblical principles? I challenge you to begin to obey those principles, to tithe and make a budget and stop buying stuff with money you don't have to impress people that you don't like anyway. Children, what about your children? Are you praying big for your kids? Are you praying big prayers for them? And as you pray, the big prayers are you building into them. Are you putting books in their hand that are going to speak into their lives? to allow them to become the kind of people that God wants them today. Pray big for them and show them Jesus. So I hope just uh, part of what you hear me saying this morning is that you and I need to pray big prayers because we serve a big God. And if we remain in Him and we attempt great uh, things for God, He wants to do those through us. Dream big. Why? Because it's important to God. Pray big. Why? Because it's important to God. We can rely on Him to intervene in miraculous ways in our lives to help us accomplish the dreams that He put on our hearts. If if you are remaining in Him, and I want to wrap up with this, if you're remaining in Him, then I promise you that your dream is invented by God. If you are remaining in Him, I promise you the dream that is in your heart is given to you by God. If you remain in Him, your dream is why God formed you. It explains who you are and why you're here. If you remain in God, your dream was never meant to be optional. It's an indispensable part of God's dream for this time and for this place. And if you remain in God, your dream was never meant to be just a remote possibility for you, but it's something that's to be a completed achievement. God plans for you to accomplish your dream if you remain in Him. 1 John five fourteen says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And again, That verse implies that there's some things he doesn't hear. If we're not asking according to his will, it's pretty clear that he's saying, I'm not going to hear you. But if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more all all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I think today there's a door called yes that God wants you to go through. A life marked by miraculous things that you have not yet prayed for. Maybe today you need to change your view of God. I know I have had to do that several times in my life. Is there some personal needs that are going to get overlooked because you haven't prayed them? Are there needs in our community and around the world that are going unmet because we've chosen not to pray? Because when a generation settles for less, the character and the motives of God get called into question through Christians. His shining presence seems to fade in the world if we don't remain in Him and pray big prayers. I want to ask you to just close your eyes, if you will, right now. 
you close your eyes, and I want to ask you to go to the end of your life in your imagination. So you're at the end of your life. What would make you really happy to have done with your life? What do you think God would say to you if you haven't spent a lifetime really getting after the dream that he's given you? And how would you feel if you came to the end of your life and discovered that you hadn't done what you were created to do? What is it that you need to be asking God for today? Will you have a vision beyond your resources? Will you set God up for miracles? Will you pray big? God, thank you so much for the clarity in your word that tells us that we are supposed to come to you and ask. That you're a God that loves us personally. You're a big daddy that can do way more than we can ever do. God, some of us might be struggling today with the idea of just remaining in you. We know that the way that we're directing our lives right now is outside of uh, of your will, and we haven't been spending time with you, and we just might need some help adjusting to that today. Would you please give us the courage to make those kind of adjustments, to, to be able to remain in you? And then, God, as we remain, to be able to pray prayers, prayers that are going to change our lives, the lives of our spouses and our children and our community and and the world god whatever dreams you've put in the hearts of these people would you please bring them to fruition because of their connection to you in jesus name amen